we're closing our series today. A little help here. And obviously, this has resonated with many of you. I've gotten emails and uh, cards, sometimes just conversations in hallways about uh, why that is, things that you're dealing with. And honestly, sometimes I'm, I'm really taken away by the kinds of things that many are carrying around inside. When I get these emails, I often just pause and say a prayer for the person who wrote them because I've realized again how we can come to church on Sunday, we can come to activities through the week and give an appearance that life is just fine. We are going on, we're happy, we're doing okay. And then discover, oh my goodness, the things that people are bearing and carrying around. And so I think this, again, has been a reminder that we all, in some way, could use a little help here. And that the goal of the church, at least in its intention, in the dream of the church, was to be a place where people would not have to pretend, where folks could be real, people could acknowledge, yes, I need help, and to be a community where people find help. So today we conclude with what is very clearly a very big area of help people need, and that is with anxiety. In 1947, W.H. Auden wrote one of his long poems called The Age of Anxiety. It earned him the Pulitzer Prize. He described the anxiety many people moving to big cities at that time were experiencing where they just feel a bit lost, kind of swallowed up by life itself and feel a a certain threat and, and danger that was pervading. Leonard Bernstein put to music the age of anxiety, called it his symphony number two. It flows back and forth between soft, beautiful melodies like this. Doesn't it just feel light and lovely? But then almost immediately in this symphony, it can go into these harsh, loud, dissonant tones like this. I don't recommend listening to symphony number two when you're trying to go to sleep at night. The point of the music was to say that life for many people feels that way, that you go from mildly pleasant places where it feels like life is working to then all of a sudden, sometimes unpredictably, it feels as if everything is crashing in upon you. Now, age of anxiety in this music was written nearly 80 years ago when people were not largely recognizing that anxiety was a big issue in society. But today, different story. Anxiety is now the most common mental health challenge in America. Roughly one-fifth of the adult population deals with anxiety 
And when you move to youth ages 13 to 18, that number jumps to one-third. One in three teenagers are dealing with some clearly recognized, clinically defined issue of anxiety. Now, while most anxieties are very treatable, 60% do not seek any kind of help. Indiana ranks 17th in the state, or, or 17th as a state in our country for people with recognized anxiety symptoms. So clearly, anxiety is a big issue. But what exactly is the problem with it? What's the toll that it takes? Rollo May was a clinical psychologist who wrote quite a bit about anxiety. He distinguished anxiety between healthy and unhealthy fears. He said it, it looks much like this. Let's say you're crossing the street and all of a sudden you hear a car horn and you turn around and you see you're about to get run over. Something kicks in. We have a natural instinct in the face of fear and, and imminent death to jump out of the way. Adrenaline rushes through our body without even having to think. We, we jump. He said, but imagine that that happens to you and now you go on with your day. The danger has passed. But for the rest of the day, you live in that moment. The car horn does not stop blaring. You feel constantly as if your life is in threat, even when it's not. This is what anxiety can do. It can give us a, a, an anticipation where we just live expecting that something is threatening to us that our very lives, our, our existence is in danger. Since COVID, the number of people who say they're experiencing anxiety has been rising and still is every day. Very clearly, very clearly. This is an area where people would say, if not but to themselves, a little help here. So what's the help we have to give? What's the help that Scripture provides? The Bible talks in a number of places about anxiety. Let's listen to a few of these. Uh, the book of Ecclesiastes says, banish anxiety from your mind. That take care of it? <laughs> Let's move on to the New Testament. Philippians do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. Just pray it away. You ready for me to play the Bernstein music again? <laughs> the most famous verse about anxiety, 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 7. Cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. Now, these verses are why many people, especially folks who deal in a real way with anxiety or other mental health challenges, say this is why the Bible feels simplistic and superficial. This is why the message of many churches feels simplistic and out of touch with my reality. Because it sounds like just pray it away. God will just take care of it and remove it from you if you have enough faith. 
But before we throw the Bible out the window, let's think about that last verse a little more. Cast your anxiety. That verb we would normally associate with fishing, right? We cast a lure out into the water. The trouble with the analogy and you think about anxiety is it's attached to a line that you're still holding and you reel it back in. And many people say, now that's what anxiety looks like for me. I can't get rid of it. I might have some good days, but I always reel it back in. But in the Bible, they didn't fish with a fishing pole. They didn't cast lures. Casting is not associated with fishing in the Bible. It's associated with putting your saddle on a camel or the things that you're going to be carrying with you on a trip and you load onto a camel that's going to carry your burdens. You are casting them on this animal. You are taking what you cannot carry and putting it on something who is more equipped to carry it than you are. When you read on in that passage in 1 Peter You come to this verse, the God of every grace will himself restore, establish, strengthen, settle you. These are verbs describing what God will do. William Barclay in his commentary says, let's think about what the words mean. Restore means to supply that which is missing. Establish means to make solid as granite. Strengthen means to fill with strength. Settle is to lay a foundation. So God is described as someone who is a dependable foundation for us. And that's the message of Psalm 139. It is a psalm written by David. It's a psalm of praise. David begins in the psalm verses that precede what we heard read a moment ago describing God's omniscience, God's all-knowing power. David said, before a word comes to my tongue, Lord, you already know it. God, you know everything. But then where we pick up the reading in verse 7, David turns from omniscience to omnipresence, the idea that God is everywhere. You cannot go anywhere. God is not already there. Where can I Go from your spirit, Lord. Where can I flee from your presence, says David. And then gives several examples saying, there's there's nowhere you can go. And then this verse. If I say, surely the darkness shall cover me, and night wraps itself around me, even the darkness is not dark to you. Now, what is David talking about now? He's not talking about a spatial place. He's talking about an emotional place. God is everywhere. God is in those places I go to emotionally when darkness pervades me. Now, how can this be of help when dealing with anxiety? Kylie Larson, a part of our St. Luke's congregation, is a member of our staff. She uh, is is an ordained member of another denomination has served actually in other churches. She also uh, has her own YouTube show, Kylie Makes It. It's a, a YouTube show for children. You might look it up sometime. She's preaching this message today at Midtown because Kylie, through nearly her entire life, has dealt with anxiety. 
she gives an illustration of what has helped her understand what anxiety is and how God helps. She writes several lines that are separated from each other. And she said these lines stand for things that become a solid support in our lives. One line might be relationships. Another line might be our work, our career. Another one might be our health. And she said when we get in places where life becomes stressful, we have these solid places to go to. And it gives us support and it just helps us kind of get okay again. She said, but nothing's perfect Even these supports let us down sometimes. They will fall through for us, and that's where it's like falling through the cracks. And she said, this is where anxiety kicks in, because now you feel like I have nothing to support me. I've got nothing to fall on. And she said, but what helped her in understanding her faith was to take this idea and then go, but God is all around me. God is always there. No matter what falls through, I will at some point come to a place where I discover the sureness of God. So with Psalm 139, she says, if I go up to the heavens, God is there. If I make my bed in Sheol, God is there. If I go to the furthest ends of the sea, God is there. God is all around. And then... Hear that verse of David one more time. If I say, surely the darkness shall cover me and night wraps itself around me, even the darkness is not dark to you. God meets me in the darkness. But understand what David is saying here. He does not say God will just get rid of the darkness. He doesn't say that. David doesn't say God eliminates darkness from my life. When I call out to God, God banishes the darkness. David says God gets into the darkness with him because darkness is light to God. God meets him in the dark places. There's no trivializing the experience of anxiety and mental health challenge with David in the Bible. David would have said, oh, don't bring me that trite nonsense That if you're just more faithful, God will keep you from having these experiences. That's not mine, he says. That's not what I've gone through. I have found that God meets me in those places. Now that is a message that helps. That is a message that the church has to give the world. That they can be understood in their darkness that there are people who are willing to meet them in it and not talk about life as if they need to get rid of something, but that there's a God who will join them and give them the help to get through those times. Travis Bannon, our youth director, has been giving attention for some time now to teen mental health challenges. A few years ago, he assembled a group of certified, trained volunteers to begin putting on, conducting uh, teen responder workshops in the church. These workshops provide knowledge, skills, and resources that help youth and families both care for their own mental health and also respond to the needs of peers. There are three areas they look at, boundaries, coping strategies, 
and recognizing and responding well to crisis moments. Participants in these workshops put together their own mental health first aid kit. And then there's always a time at these workshops for parents, adults, caregivers to come together for their own discussion. The next teen responder workshop is going to be out at the lodge on March the 10th from 2 to 4.30. There is a, the website that you see on the screen that you can go to to register. If you want to do that in person, stop and talk to me after the service. Marsha will get your name and information. We'll put you in touch with Travis in case you would like to be a part of the next teen responder workshop that's going to be going on. These are ways the church can help. But I want to go back to David for a moment. How did David come to understand that God is a faithful support in a time of darkness? Because he suffered anxiety. David, the mighty king of Israel, suffered anxiety himself. His life was in constant threat that he had to face it all the time. When he started out, King Saul hunted him like a dog. He faced armies who tried to defeat him and take his life. His own son tried to overthrow him and kill him. He knew what it was like to have his life in danger and to have low moments. And there's a story in 1 Samuel 30 where David is not only facing external threats, he has now had all of his support people turn against him. His relationships have now fallen through. And he is in free fall. And there is this little verse that you read that says, but David found strength in the Lord his God. That's all it says. And he got up and he kept going. Now, wouldn't you like to know what that looked like? Wouldn't you like to know what's behind that simple little verse? How did he take strength in the Lord his God? How did he take encouragement as some translations read? What went on? I believe I have an idea. In fact, I want Kylie to share it with you. She talks about an experience she had a few years ago about what it looked like to find encouragement in God and when I recorded this message for the 930 Contemporary Service that's showing right now, she came to share this story at the end. Let's listen. Hi, St. Luke's. My name is Kylie Larson. And like Rob said, I was invited to come tell you a little bit about anxiety and how I've experienced that in my own life. In my late 20s, I was diagnosed with a generalized anxiety disorder. Um, and I take medicine every day. I've been to a lot of therapy. And what I would say to all of you is, number one, after treatment, my anxiety disorder is by far not the most interesting thing about me. Number two, if you are experiencing anxiety, I want to tell you that that's always going to be something that's hard for you. But it doesn't need to be as hard as it is when you're not getting help. It's going to be hard, but it doesn't need to be that hard. And so I, from this stage, am telling you right now, medicine, therapy, help, those are all good things. 
They're not gonna take the problem away, but they do make our lives easier and they let us do good work. I wanna tell you a story about what Rob was sharing, that circle. That sometimes when we're in free fall, it's hard to know exactly what that catch from God would even look like. But what does it mean that God will find me? What does it mean that God would catch me? What does it mean that God will carry it? I'm gonna tell you a little story from my life about a time when God caught me. It might not sound that impressive, but I think that's how God does it. Healing our anxiety is an act that happens in our heart, not our head. When I was uh, a young wife, Phil and I were uh, driving north to visit our family. And it was around Christmas time. In fact, this moment happened Christmas day evening. And my husband, Phil was driving. It was late at night. It was the end of this road trip from Indiana to Minnesota. It was winter, sleet, nasty outside. We'd been in the car for days and days driving all around. So our car is absolute just garbage, just wrappers and drink bottles, whatever, just trash. Phil was trying to stay awake. So he was listening to like screamo music, which isn't the most comforting when you are a person with anxiety, but it's what he needed to do to stay awake. So I was letting him do that. But I was headed to a really stressful situation. I was going to a place with some people that really trigger my anxious thoughts. Part of how my anxiety visits me is I have intrusive thoughts about self-harm and they come out of nowhere and they're really hard to get out of. And so that happened. So Phil's over here in his land. We're both sitting in the trash car, driving to this kind of scary place. These thoughts hit me and I remembered something that my therapist told me. She had invited me whenever I had these kinds of thoughts, whenever my anxiety kind of went off in that way, instead of getting trapped in it, I had this other option. I could use that anxiety as like a siren, a warning that I wasn't doing okay and that I needed comfort. And she had encouraged me to try, just try it. Find a soft blanket to wrap up in, get in a warm place, maybe drink a nice warm beverage, um, put on some good smelling lotion. And so I thought, oh good, an opportunity to try this new thing. And so I look around the trash car and there's absolutely none of those things, no soft blankets or nice, literally anything. But I found a tube of chapstick and I thought this is going to have to be enough because this is all I got. So I took this chapstick and I braced myself to put on chapstick as comfortingly as I can. As soon as I uncapped it, my husband pulled off the road into a gas station that he had found. We are in the middle of nowhere. The windshield wipers had frozen shut, Minnesota problem, and he had to wipe off the windshield. The gas station miracle was open. And so I was like, yes, another opportunity for comfort. So I went in and I saw the hot chocolate machine. So I poured a cup of hot chocolate following this path of kindness. I put it up on the counter and the clerk just looked at me and said, Merry Christmas. This might not seem like a miracle. This might seem really small, but I knew it was God's catch. That God had me, he was holding me, 
He was providing me love. It seems so simple that some people would say, I need God to do something bigger than that. And yet, for Kylie in that moment, it was enough. And I believe that's what God does. God gives us enough. And when you get help from people like professional therapists, when, if it's determined medication is going to help, you learn simple things to do that in those dark moments reassure you of God's presence, that God has you. As simple as chapstick, as simple as hot chocolate, as simple as a piece of bread and a cup. In the Old Testament, when two people made an agreement with each other, they would often seal it with some kind of sacrifice. It wasn't fair to the animals, but that's what would get used. It was a way of saying, if I break my agreement with you, may what happened to this animal happen to me. I'm serious about that. That's how committed I am to you. And then you come to the New Testament. And God makes a covenant with people. And Jesus is sacrificed on a cross. And it's God's way of saying, this is not about your sacrifice. This is about me saying, this is how committed I am to you. I am so committed to you, I give my life to you. And when you believe that, you know that you always have a sure support, whether light or dark.